Well, I hope that uh, each one of you have a great, great Thanksgiving. If you have your Bibles this morning, I hope you'll join me in Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter number 3. We're going to look at verses 15, 16, and 17 this morning. I want to preach a message uh, that I've entitled, How to Develop a Thankful Heart. How to Develop a Thankful Heart. You know, it, we could be, like the video, uh, distracted when it comes to Thanksgiving. Uh, and I think probably one of the greatest distractions we have uh, in today's society is our cell phones. It would be very easy for us to get distracted with those things. And, and uh, that's just a little reminder uh, that uh, we remember to be in tune with each other and be thankful with each other. You know, if you're going to have a thankful heart, uh, it's going to manifest itself in a thankful life. So in order to have a thankful life, you've got to have a thankful heart. In order to have a thankful heart, it has a lot to do with your attitude, having an attitude of gratitude. And so Paul, in writing to the church at Colossae here, is telling them in this particular passage of Scripture that they are to seek the things that are above. And as they seek those things that are, are above, as they have received Christ, they have taken off the old man and put on the new man. And in putting on the new man, he tells them in verse number 14 that above everything else, above all things, he says, put on charity. Now that word charity there is a wonderful uh, old English word where we get our English word love. Love, where we get today's modern term love. So he says above all these things, put on love. Why? Which is the bond of perfectness. Now perfectness here in this passage of scripture doesn't uh, pertain to you being a perfect individual. He's speaking of your maturity. He says in order to be bound in maturity with other believers, that bond, if you would, uh, if you will, revolves around this area of love. I know of no greater opportunity to love each other than at Thanksgiving. Now, please, don't raise your hand, but every one of us have family members that are hard to love. Now, you don't have to say amen right there. I know. Uh, I understand, completely understand. Uh, so, Paul understands this as well. And so, Paul is going to instruct the, the Colossians here in verses 15, 16, and 17. He's just going to give them three things, if you would, to develop a heart of thankfulness. How do you develop a thankful heart? And let's look at it this morning and see what the Scripture says. And I hope the Lord will bless this morning. Uh, bless you and bless your family as you guys love one another and are thankful for one another, even the unlovable or hard-to-love family members. If you're able to stand, would you please stand as we honor the reading of God's Word? Verse number 15, look at what he says there. He says, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts. To the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of our Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. You may be seated for prayer this morning. Father, the best that I know how, once again, I pray for your strength. And Lord, I yield myself to you to only preach your word. Lord, I ask in the name of Jesus that I'd ever the more decrease and you'd ever the more increase. That I would hide behind the cross and only be the mailman to deliver your mail. God, you've given us the word of God. Help us focus on it today. May we learn from it. 
encourage and challenge each and every one of us here today. May we not see what's wrong, but may we see, Lord, how can I change to be more like you? We love you, and we're grateful for this opportunity. Pray that you would bless it now as we study your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Miriam and I have lived in Georgia now for 21 years, and uh, so we, we are, our hearts are here. We are grateful uh, to be from Georgia. Uh, we consider Georgia our home. All of our children were born in Georgia. But I can remember the first time Miriam and I went to northeast Georgia. And uh, as we were traveling, we were coming up 85, and we were about 10 miles outside of Buford, and we were passing a sign, and it said, Buford, 10 miles. And as we looked at that sign, I said, look at there, Miriam, Buford's 10 miles away. <laughs> she said, that ain't Buford, that's Buford. I said, no, it's not, that's, that's Buford. She said, no, Shane, you don't pronounce it like you pronounce it Buford. I said, no, that ain't right, it's Buford. And did you know we argued for 10 miles straight on whether or not it was Buford or Buford? I finally had my fill of it, and I turned to her, and I said, I'm going to tell you what, Miriam. I said, when we get there, I am going to pull over. The first place I'm going to pull over, and we're going to settle this issue, bless God. I'm going to tell you right now, we're going to figure out what you call this place. So sure as a world, 10 miles later, we got into a parking lot. I got out of the car. I walked in, Miriam right beside me. I leaned up on the counter, and I said, look, my wife and I have been arguing for the past 10 miles about where we are. Now, I want you to tell me, and I want you to be honest with me, settle this thing, where are we? The lady looked me square in the eyes, and she leaned up on that counter and said, Burger King. <laughs> I'm thankful for my wife. I said, I'll order a number one. All right, so uh, here we go. In this passage of Scripture, we see Paul is going to deal with this issue of developing a thankful heart. Developing that. How do you develop a thankful heart? Let me, let me show you three things about this text. I hope it will be an encouragement to you this Thanksgiving season. Number one, the first thing we find in verse number 15 is that we should let the peace of Christ rule in us. Let the peace of Christ rule in us. Look at what the Bible says in verse 15. And let the peace of God rule in your heart. So let's stop right there. If you've got your pen, pencil, lipstick, or mascara, I'd love for you to take some notes in your Bible. Leave a legacy behind you so that when you are dead and gone, people can look back and say, man, look what uh, so-and-so wrote in their Bibles. Look what they have here. And pass on a legacy and heritage of the Word of God. So he says there in the text, let the peace of God rule in you. So how in the world, preacher, did you get uh, let the peace of Christ rule in you? Well, uh, first of all, when you look at this passage of Scripture and you see that term peace of God, that is a reference to Jesus Christ. Uh, so how is that? Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 says that the coming Messiah will be the Prince of Peace. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And if we want to let the peace of God rule in our hearts, then we've got to let Jesus rule in our hearts. Which brings us to the next word. If you have your pens, I'd underline the word rule. That word rule there is such a vitally important word. It means to be an umpire over your life. It says let the peace of God be the umpire in your life. Let that be the ruler in your life. Let that be the thing that settles the decisions in your life. What's fascinating about this term rule there is it's in the present tense, which means you need to let Jesus Christ, the peace of Christ, rule in your heart today. It needs to be actively ruling your life today, the peace of Christ. 
But not only should it be actively today in the present, being in the present tense, we also see it's in the active voice, which means I can't make the peace of God rule in your life. You have to make the peace of God rule in your life. You're the one that has to take the bull by the horns and get in God's word and study his word and, and be a part of what God wants you to be in regards to your life in growing up and maturing in Jesus Christ. If you are going to let love, if you would, put, put love on, which is Christ himself, and that is going to be the bond or the glue of our maturity, and we're going to approach life from the arena of love, then we have got to let the peace of Christ rule be the umpire in our life in particular and especially when it comes to Thanksgiving or might I add uh, any type of family gathering when you've got somebody there that you don't get along with now I know we all got them we've got dads we can't get along with we've got moms we can't get along with maybe brothers or sisters niece nephews um, cousins whatever the case may be and some of us may in fact say well bless God I ain't going I ain't gonna go now that's between you and God that's fine you you pray and the Lord says don't go don't go but many of us as we are going know that we're going to encounter someone that's going to rub us the wrong way uh, whether they do it intentionally or whether they do it accidentally I used to have a uh, I used to have, I still have, but my grandmother's gone on to be with the Lord now, and we don't have uh, Thanksgiving get-togethers like we used to. But uh, one uncle in particular that absolutely loved to rib us in regards to us being teetotalers. Now, I'm a teetotaler. I'm teetotally against uh, drinking alcohol. I mean, I just, that's something that, that uh, I have to deal with it. Now, look, you, you might be here today and say, well, that's why I can't be a member of the church is because uh, of that position right there well you just come and you come with me and you go with me and you see the things that alcohol does and you'll be a teetotaler too there's nothing like standing trying to minister to somebody a 16 year old boy coming up tears running down his face and say can you please help my daddy get off alcohol can you please help him he's about to leave my mama he is about to ruin his life he is about to beat me slam to death will you please help my daddy I'm telling you it's dangerous the Bible says it is not wise and so in regards to that issue we had a family member on Thanksgiving he loved to base the ham in beer and man he just he haw he haw he wouldn't tell anybody he'd just bring it and he haw and you'd, you'd get a piece and eat it and he just oh you know what you're eating preacher oh you know what you're eating preacher oh, oh, oh. And just just trying to stir up trouble now everybody's got somebody like that in their family how do you love them? How do you treat them? Because if you're like me, you don't do anything but bless God get aggravated. <laughs> Y'all know the preacher gets aggravated? I mean, I'm just like you. I put my britches one leg on a time, just, just like everybody in this room. And the bottom line is that we have to be conscientious as Christ is dwelling inside of us. Who are we going to listen to? Are we going to listen to the flesh? Or are we going to listen to the Holy Spirit of God? Am I going to let Christ, the peace of Christ, rule inside of me? And am I going to let that be the umpire in my life so that I might be able to show the love of Jesus to my family members? He tells us there in the text to let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Now, here's the next question. What is the peace? of Christ what is the peace of Christ well I got several things I wrote down here I'll, I want to share them with you I hope it'll be an encouragement to you here's some of the things that the peace of Christ is number one it is the peace we find in the person of Jesus Christ himself the peace of Christ is the peace we find in the person of Jesus Christ himself 
Uh, the Ephesians chapter 2 verse 14 says, For he, being Christ, is our peace. Jesus Christ is the only one that can really bring true peace in this world of chaos. In the midst of your thanksgiving havoc, Jesus Christ is your peace. If you're a born-again child of God and Jesus Christ lives inside your heart, the Bible says, according to this passage of Scripture, that you are to let, it's your responsibility, to make sure that the peace of God, that is Jesus Christ, which lives inside of you, rules at that very present moment. It's your responsibility. I didn't tell you this, but it's also with the imperative mood, which means it's a command. What Paul is saying under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, you are commanded by God to choose to let the Holy Spirit rule inside of you and as you do so letting that peace come out of you in showing Jesus to others so that's the first way you let the peace of Christ rule in you you understand that it can only come from a person and that is Jesus Christ number two you also must understand that it's the peace that we receive when we trust Christ as Savior now you can only get this peace by trusting Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and Lord. You see, point number one, don't make any sense until you first receive Christ as your personal Savior and Lord. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. If you, I'm, I'm going to speak a lot of passages today, so you might want to jot them down. They might be good to look at uh, later this week. Romans 5, 1. The Bible says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, there was a time when Shane was at war with God. And that time when I was at war with, with God is when I did not know him as my personal Savior and Lord. And until March 22nd, 1988, I was at war with God. But on that day, as a 14-year-old boy, I gave my heart to Jesus Christ, and he changed my life forever. Now, please, I want you to hear me. Be mindful. When I got saved, I did not hear the hallelujah chorus. A bright light didn't shine down upon me. But I'm telling you, the Spirit of God overwhelmed me with such power. And I could not, I, I cannot still get over the fact that he saved my lost soul. A tremendous weight came off of me. And if I said, listen, I'm so saved I could swing over hell on a dry corn stalk. Let me give you a third one. I, I'm, I get excited when I think about the peace of God. Man, we are living in the midst of a mess today. But I'm telling you the stability that we have in the peace of God, the peace of Christ that dwells inside of us, we're at peace with God. When I got saved, I got peace with God. Number three, watch this. It's the peace the world can never offer. It's the peace the world can never offer. John chapter 14, verse 27 Jesus said this, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Dear friend, I'm telling you what, in regards to John 14, 27, here's a word for us today. Don't let your heart be troubled. Do not be fearful of what we're going through today in this major cultural shift in regards to this uh, issue of masculinity and femininity and all this crazy mess that's going on today. According to the Word of God, Jesus has given us His peace. And I don't care how crazy the world gets, you can always always show people the peace of Jesus Christ the world can't offer that kind of peace I have met and we've even had people here today I'm telling you people that have been sick sick unto death and yet still have the peace of God upon their life 
On a Thursday, I got a phone call, and Miriam and I had set this up several uh, weeks ago to sit down with a, a dear lady. I was the, their, the lady's youth pastor, a dear, sweet uh, church member. And uh, uh, she had called and asked if we could meet with them. Actually, she's called and asked me to do her funeral. She has a brain tumor. She's dying. She has cancer. She knows she's dying. We met them in Gainesville on Thursday for lunch, and I sat down with her, and I wish you could have seen the joy on her face. I wish you could have seen the peace on her face. Here's a lady that's going through chemotherapy. She's wretched, if you would. She's lost her hair, has a bandana. The tumor is uh, on, the, uh, uh, on the spinal column there, and she's already began to lose her, lose her hearing. She can't hear very well. And, uh, but in, in spite of all that, it didn't matter. None of that, none of that mattered. What mattered was she was going home. She was going home. Now, she's got two precious little girls, two precious adult girls, but they were students when I was a youth pastor, and uh, I helped uh, uh, teach them the Word of God, and they were there with us, and, and man, she wept a little bit about the situation that she was probably going to die and not have any grandkids, and, and man, just uh, was brokenhearted just a little bit about that, but she said, I know I'm going home to be with Jesus, and I know that my two girls are saved. And one day there's going to be a reunion. And it's not going to be very long. How in the world can somebody have that outlook? How can somebody have that mindset? I'll tell you how they can have it. They're born again. I'll tell you how they can have it. They know Jesus Christ is their Savior. They've got a hope that this world can't offer. They've got a peace that this world cannot offer. Listen, we put our trust in many things to give us peace. We look to our finances to give us peace. But I'm telling you, your finances could go south at any minute. Uh, we put our stock in regards to sporting events. Man, I tell you, we try to find our peace in sports. And I'll tell you what, football season is just about over. It'll be over. Are you going to be in chaos then? No, don't put your peace in football. Don't put your peace in materialism don't put your peace in financial stability put your peace in Jesus only he can give you true peace let me give you the next one if I could uh, number four it's a peace we can never fully understand I can try to preach about it all day long I can rant and rave hoop and holler jump and shout spit for what rose back but I'm telling you the peace that I have cannot be explained listen to what the Bible says the Bible says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 7, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, shall guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Hey. What guards our hearts? What guards our minds in Christ Jesus? It is the peace of God, which surpasses all super, uh, understanding, surpasses all comprehension. We can't explain it, but the fact of the matter is we've got it. And we've got it because the Holy Spirit gave it to us. And the Holy Spirit gave it to us the day we got saved and received Jesus Christ as our personal Savior and Lord. I'm here to tell you the peace that we have can never be fully understand, but we understood, but we know that it comes from God. Number five, it's the peace that assures us that God's in control of the details of our life. God is in control of the details of your life. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. Scripture says, I'll never leave you, nor will I ever forsake you. Uh, regardless of the situation that you're in, friend, God said he'd never leave you or forsake you if you're a born-again child of God. 
That is to say that if you have the peace of God resting upon your life, if you have put on Jesus Christ, and putting on Jesus Christ, you put on love, and in putting upon putting on love, also uh, you also have this area, if you would, uh, of having this bond of maturity that's inside of you, that you have this perfect peace that can only come from Jesus Christ Himself. And then knowing that, regardless of the situation that you find yourself in, knowing that Jesus will never leave you nor will he ever forsake you he will never ever 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 desert you he will always 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 be there for you say well I, I can't feel him don't trust your feelings trust the Word of God hey. so well I don't think he is quit thinking and start trusting the Word of God I just said that you can't understand it the fact of the matter is I don't understand how an individual can live 77 years on this planet and reject Jesus Christ and yet the bottom line is when it when an invitation is given finally he drops if you would he drops down the legalistic situation in his life and he turns to Jesus and he trusts him as his personal Savior and Lord that's not just something I pulled out of the hat that's what happened Wednesday night a 77 year old man come to know Jesus Christ as his personal Savior and Lord and not just that but a 47 year old man come to know Jesus Christ as his personal Savior and Lord on Wednesday night. What can bridge the generation gap? The peace of God. The peace of God that comes through Jesus Christ our living Lord. It is a peace that assures us that God is in control. Listen, God is in control of your life. You may feel like you're spiraling out of control, but if you're a born again child of God, listen, God's in control of your life. So why am I going through the situation I'm going through, preacher? Can you tell me why? Why am I going through this? I know this for a fact. God created you and put you on this planet and allows for you to go through what you go through. James chapter 1, the reason why you go through that is that you might mature and be more like Jesus Christ. So you mean, you mean to tell me the reason why I've got cancer is God wants me to be more like Jesus Christ? I'm here to tell you that the Lord Jesus Christ loves you and because of this sin sick world the Bible says there's a curse on this world and as there's a curse on this world things run in a point of order to a point of confusion disaster to chaos it's called the second law of thermodynamics scientists can figure it out God said it a long time ago when he cursed this earth and the Bible says I have come to give you life and give it more abundantly the reason why we have trials in our life is we're in a sin sick world had someone say Preacher, I don't understand. God, and if he was so good, if he was so holy, if he was so wonderful, if he was so gracious, then why? Why do babies die? Why does my wife have cancer? Why am I in financial trouble? Why did God just not create a perfect place and let everybody be happy? To which I said, he did. Yep, that's right. We messed it up. Quit blaming God for what we did. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5, For as one man's sin entered the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. We're all sinners. And we all must stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Thank God for the peace that assures us that God's in control. Can I ask you a question this morning? Is God in control of your life? Ma'am, is God in control of your life? Sir, is God in control of your life? 
Will you be like that 77-year-old man? Will it take 77 years for you to finally drop the facade and come to Jesus Christ as Savior? How long will you tarry? How long will you wait for the goodness of God? Oh, thank God he's a God of long-suffering. But today's the day of salvation. You're not promised tomorrow. Number six. It's the peace we need to rule our lives. It's the peace we need to rule our lives. Colossians 3.15. The Bible says, let the peace of Christ rule in you. Or rule your hearts. Uh, which indeed you were called in one body. He, he says that you have an opportunity. You, you, you can let this happen or not. He gave an invitation. Just uh, the previous service. Just like we always do. You have a choice. You can come or not come. Oh, to see the victory that many gained in the last. I hope to God that when we get to the invitation, you'll get the same victory. The development of a thankful heart is first filled with the peace of Christ. Look at what the Bible says in verse 15. Let me point back to it if I could. He says, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. You see that be ye? I would underline that. Why? Because that too is in the present tense. It means today. It's also in the active voice, which means you. And it's also in the imperative mood, meaning it is a command that you, as God's child, should let the peace of God, which is Jesus Christ, rule in your hearts, to which you have been called into the church. That's where you're at today. One body. You're called. One body all across the land today, churches are meeting. Everywhere, we're one church united under the gospel of Jesus Christ. He says, you're one body. And then he goes on to say, and be ye thankful today. Be thankful. Be thankful for your church. Be thankful for your salvation. Be thankful for Christ that rules in your heart. So how do you develop a thankful heart? Number one, you let the peace of Christ rule in you. Number two, very quickly. Let the word of Christ dwell in you. Look at verse 16. He goes on to say, he says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. I'm so glad he said in your hearts. I would have been in deep yogurt had he said do a solo out loud. Uh, just a few minutes ago before we came out, uh, we were back in the back, and I was getting ready to come out here, and the choir was getting ready to come out here, and uh, Brother John Ferguson turned and said, you want to help the tenors today? I said, I'd help y'all one time, and you'd say, thank you, preacher, for helping the tenors. Now sit down. <clears throat> but look, notice, uh, there's two things I want you to underline here, two, two things I want you to, to, to notice in the text, verse 16. He says, let the word of Christ dwell. I would underline that word, dwell. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. I'd underline that word richly. Uh, why? Well, because he's speaking to us here uh, in the text in Colossians 3.15. That word dwell means to inhabit or to make its home in your hearts. So he says, let the word, if you would, of Christ make its home in your heart. Where does the word of God need to make its home? In your heart. And in regard to the Word of God, if we're going to make it, if we're going to let this thing make its home in our heart, then we've got to read it. Right. Uh, we, we need to get involved. We need to get in it every single day. Hey. Uh, we don't need to, uh, uh, to, 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 to put it off. 
we, we need to do everything in our power that we can to have a, a daily quiet time, a daily walk with Jesus so that the Word of Christ can make its dwelling place inside our hearts. 2 Timothy 2.15, Paul told Timothy, he said, Be diligent to present yourself, your bodies approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of truth. In order to rightly divide the Word of truth, the Word of truth needs to be inside of you. And if the Word of truth is inside of you, remember... We'll get to this in a minute. What's ever in the heart is going to come out through the mouth. Philippians 2.16, the Bible says this, holding forth the word of life. I love that term, holding forth. It carries the idea of a responsibility that you and I have in retaining or taking hold to the word of life. It's not that you're holding on to your salvation. No, it's that you're holding on to the word. Uh, you want the Word to be close to you. You want the Word to be in your heart so that you might recall the Word, that it might come to you. Psalms chapter 119 verse 11 says this. The psalmist said, Your Word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Uh, that word hid there means to treasure up. Can I ask you this question? Do you treasure up the Scriptures in your heart? Do you treasure up the words of Christ in your heart? He challenges us in regards to this issue if we're going to have a heart, if you would, of thankfulness. And we're going to develop that in our life. Then we've got to let the peace of Christ rule in us. And we've got to let the word of Christ dwell in us. It's got to live in us. Let me give you a third one very quickly. Number three. The third thing I want you to notice here in this text very quickly is we got to let the character of Christ influence us. Let the character of Christ influence us. We're talking about developing a heart of thankfulness. Developing a heart of thankfulness. And if we're going to develop a heart of thankfulness, we're going to let the peace of Christ rule in us, number one. Number two, let the word of Christ dwell in us. And number three, let the character of Christ influence us. We are influenced today by many many things it's vitally important for a born-again child of God to be influenced by Christ hey. notice what the scripture says the Bible says and whatsoever ye do in word or deed do all in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God and the Father by him several years ago I was meeting with some uh, fellas, and just happened to, wasn't a scheduled meeting, it just happened to happen. I was in blue jeans and shirt, had my ball cap on, and uh, I was just uh, communicating and talking and just being a preacher, I guess. Didn't look like one, but just having a good time. And the guys that I was with, all of a sudden, a uh, guy wanted to tell a, a dirty joke. And uh, he did, and, and I, I just didn't, I didn't laugh. And they started cussing, using language that, uh, that I don't think is appropriate, not that I think I'm better than anybody else. I, I just think that if you have an area of disgust and you can't think of any other terms to use than swear words, then you've got a limited vocabulary. <clears throat> the individuals being upset turned to me and said, Can I ask you a question? Who are you? I said, well, my name's Shane uh, Robertson. Uh, nice to meet you. He said, well, what do you do for a living? 
And so I'm a pastor. Oh, as they hung their head. Well, we want you to know we're Christians too. Okay, now let me stop right there. Why do you feel the need to tell me that you're a Christian? The reason why there was the need to tell me that they were Christians is because what they say they are did not match up with what they were doing. You, you see, what they were saying, if they were born again, they wouldn't have been using the language they were using. Now, listen, I didn't preach a message. I didn't do anything. I just stood there. I, I just stood. I didn't condemn anybody. I didn't tell. Y'all going straight to hell. I didn't say anything of that nature. I simply stood there. And watch this. What condemned them? The Holy Spirit of God's what condemned them. Not me. If there's any condemnation, it's not anything that the preacher might say to condemn a lost soul. It's the condemnation that already comes from a lost person not knowing Jesus Christ as their personal Savior and Lord. Dear friend, I'm here to tell you what we need more than anything is living characters of Christ influencing others for the gospel of Jesus Christ. What I'm saying here is we've got to get to a point in our lives where our language matches our lifestyle. Colossians chapter 3 verse 17 says, whatever you do, in words or in your actions, your deeds, do all in the name of our Lord Savior Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God. I, I would underline, if I were you, I would underline in the name of the Lord Jesus. Because what he's saying here, Paul is saying that we need to act as Jesus' representative. We need to serve as Jesus's ambassador and we need to be consistent with Christ's character we need to carry Christ's values and also Christ's authority did you know that God through Jesus Christ has given you authority and the authority that you have comes directly from the Word of the Living God and as the Word of God gives us authority the number one thing you and I are, have a responsibility over is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hey. Now, tomorrow night we're going to go in faith. It'll be our, uh, we're still having faith tomorrow night, and we're going to share Jesus Christ with others. And you might say, well, I'm kind of, you know, I, I'm intimidated by that. I, I, I'm scared to talk in front of people. Look, you, you preaching to the choir. I, I'm the same way. Say, are you serious? If you only knew, if you only knew how Jesus Christ changed my heart. I didn't only come out of the shell. I'm talking about Jesus Christ changed me for his glory, for his honor. Now I can't shut up about Jesus. The bottom line is just simply this. What can do that? What, having the internal rule and understanding what the scripture says and knowing that we have a responsibility to share the gospel with a lost and dying world. And in doing so, we're his ambassadors. We reflect the character of of Christ. Now I told you I put my britches, le britches one leg at a time just like you do. And I got family members, bless God, that uh, yeah, they're hard to love. Now don't say amen right there because I know you got them too. And in, over the course of ministry I've had people that are hard to love. There's some of you in here that you're hard to love. Say, are you, are you being, I ain't being ugly. I'm telling the truth. And in regards to that, I don't love you based on the way that I feel about you. I love based on the way Jesus feels about you. And that's the love of Jesus in my heart. And so he says, giving thanks 
in the name of our Lord Jesus. Do all this in his name. Do all this as his ambassador. I know several years ago, I, I had a little trial in my life. And when I got trials in my life, I've got people that I called and asked to pray for me. And <clears throat> one of those individuals is our good friend, Danny Lanier. Danny's a good friend of mine. I've known him many, many years. And I was having a trial on several occasions. I've had trials, and I've picked the phone up, and I've called Danny. And he's been consistent in this one thing. He's been consistent in telling me, Shane, what you need to be is sweet like Jesus. And he'd pray for me and say, be sweet like Jesus. Be sweet like Jesus. I'm going to tell you what, that goes a long way. Being sweet like Jesus. Now on Thursday, we're going to have family members to come. They're going to gather around the good, the bad, and the ugly. You know what I mean? Here's what my challenge to you is. Be sweet like Jesus. Friday, yes, Friday, um, I was down in the basement doing 22 loads of laundry. <clears throat> and uh, as I'm down there doing laundry, Holly comes down and says, Dad, two men are in suits upstairs in the living room. And we had all the, the, the kids were home. So I was ready for a break. So I, I walked out of the laundry room, went upstairs, had on my blue jeans, my shirt, my green VBS hat we had this year. Sure enough, there's two gentlemen in suits. I said, hey, my name's Shane. What's your name? Boom, boom. We exchanged names. I said, y'all come on in my office. Just come on in here. So I just come on in. I, you know, we went in my office and uh, said, y'all sit down. It's my house. I can do it. I want you to sit down. Sit down there on the couch. Shut the door. Where's my chair? Get my chair and pull my chair. I said, okay, what brings you out today? So we're here to talk about our great love for Jehovah. I said, oh, I love Jehovah too. I love Jehovah. I love the Holy Spirit. I love the Messiah, Jesus Christ. I love them all. I love the Trinity. The three is one. I love them all. And I briefly, very kindly, gave to them a little small sermon. Just a small sermon. On 1 John 5, 13. Just a little small sermon. 1 John 5, 13. Small. And, and, and when I was done, they said, so, uh, can we ask you what you do? <laughs> and I, I said, uh, I'm the pastor at Maysville Baptist Church. And got a little bit uncomfortable there just for a minute until I broke the ice again. And I said, look, you are not going to convert me today. Or tomorrow, or any, any I, I know what I believe. Hey. And unless the Holy Spirit of God intervenes in this conversation, I'm not going to convert you. But I'm here to tell you, Jesus loves you. And he died on the cross for your sins. And he rose again the third day. Hey. He is the Messiah. And he is God. He is God. 100% God, 100% man. And he looked at me and said, the gentleman looked at me and said, well, we better go. We don't want to extend our welcome 
past what it, what it needs to be. And I said, I understand. I want you to know God loves you. We, we may disagree, major, major disagreement concerning doctrine and salvation. But I'm telling you, you can't deny it. Jesus is the only way to heaven. They said, thank you. I said, I hope you'll come back to see me. They said, we cannot tell you what a pleasure it was to meet you. How thankful we are for your sweet, kind spirit and hospitality. And then I said this, now I'm putting all y'all on notice. I said, I got a lot of church members. And I hope the same hospitality that I showed to you, you'll receive from them. And he said this, we've been in a lot of your members' homes. They are very sweet people. Dear friend, listen to me very carefully. When God puts lost people on your property, give them Jesus. So I'm afraid that they scare me. I don't know what to say. You don't have to know faith to give them Jesus. Remember, this is just one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. Just tell them where to find bread. It's all about Jesus. Jesus is the key. He died on the cross. He was buried, and he rose again so that you might be saved. I invited them to come uh, today, and I invited them to come see me in one of our services. Who knows if they ever will? Many of you know in days past, we've had Mormons come, Jehovah Witnesses come. We're not going to compromise the truth. Listen to me very carefully. I am not apologetic about the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me if you are going to have a thankful heart you got to first have something to be thankful for and I'm thankful first and foremost for my salvation and my salvation is based on the word of God it's not based upon what I did it's not based upon some sacraments it's not based upon me being baptized it's not based upon me taking the holy sacrament it's not based upon me living the cell at seven pillars or six pillars of Islam it's based on the fact that Jesus paid the price for my sins he was buried on the third day he rose again and until we clearly understand that and clearly get that we'll never ever ever have a grateful heart a heart of thankfulness let's bow for prayer with our heads bowed and our eyes closed maybe you're here today and maybe you got family members that are hard to love Thanksgiving's coming up man there's gonna be people there God's told you, he wants you to go. You got to go, so you're going to go. God didn't tell you not to go, so you're going to go. <clears throat> I'm going to ask you to be sweet like Jesus. And I'm going to ask you to share Jesus with them. This might be the year, the last time they hear the gospel. Take full advantage of it, friend. Take full advantage of it. Say, I'm at odds with a family member. Be sweet like Jesus. Just be sweet like Jesus. 
We're going to give an invitation here in just a minute. In order for some of you to be sweet like Jesus, y'all going to have to get Jesus. He's going to, you're going to have to give it over to him. You're going to let, to go, let go of some things. I'm telling you what, there were some people in this 930 service, they let go of some things. They said, we got trouble in our home. We got trouble going to come Thanksgiving. People going, we're going to have to love. we unlovable. We need Jesus. And they crawled up in the altar and cried out to God, God, would you help me be sweet like Jesus? I'm going to ask you to do the same thing. Some of you here can't be sweet like Jesus because you don't know Jesus. The reason why you don't know him is because you kept putting it off, putting it off, putting it off like that 77-year-old man. Put it off for 77 years. Dear friend, how long are you going to put this off? You may be listening by way of radio. You might be listening by way of internet. How long are you going to put off trust in Christ? The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Say, preacher, how, how would I give my heart to Jesus if I wanted to? It's as simple as A, B, C. Number one, the first thing, A, is you've got to admit that you're a sinner. The Bible says for all in sin and come short of the glory of God. You've got to admit that. Everybody in this room, even me, I had to admit that. I admit I'm a sinner. <clears throat> Number two, you've got to believe that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You've got to believe that Jesus is the Messiah and that he took your sins and died on the cross for your sins so that you might be saved. And Number three, you've got to confess before men the Bible says if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus is Jesus your Lord today if you're here today and say preacher I've never done that I've put that off I've put it off or maybe maybe I thought I did it but I didn't really do it I just got baptized I never really trusted Christ I, I'm struggling I don't even have a testimony dear friend if that's you I got good news for you today's the day of your salvation with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, cry, why don't you cry out to God and say something like this? Would you say, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. But I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And this morning, I repent of my sin. And I trust you as my Savior. Thank you for saving me. I'll live for you in Jesus' name.